It's 2022. Do you know where your consumer is? The Channel Mastery Podcast is created for executives who are obsessed with knowing everything about their target consumers, because that's what unlocks the future success and impact of our brands and businesses today. Every week on this podcast, we dig deep to bring you what's working and what's not when it comes to winning the attention of and building loyalty with your target consumer. We've got a lot to share, so let's get to it. And thanks so much to Verde Brand Communications for being the presenting sponsor of the Channel Mastery Podcast. Let's do this. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast. I am so excited to introduce Jason Blevins to you today, who is the co-founder and co-owner of the Colorado Sun, as well as a reporter at that prestigious publication. Welcome to the show, Jason. It's awesome to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kristen. It's going to be fun. Yes. And I have, I think we've known each other for a long time <laughs> through many different, you know, roles in, in the industry. Um, I would love to start our conversation today to talk about sort of, you know, the Colorado Sun and what your journey has been like there. You definitely took a, a managed risk in starting that, but I thought your timing was great. And it was definitely just, I, I was immediately a, a supporter. I got my tote bag and I signed us up to support you from day one and and things look to be going really well. Can you talk about the journey with that? Yeah, it has been a very interesting journey. We're coming up on, uh, we just passed three years, our three-year anniversary, and we are 10, we started as 10 Denver Post reporters. We all came from the Denver Post, sort of um, lost faith in the ownership of that wonderful newspaper, not the workers, not the leaders at the paper, but the owners who are a... Um, distant hedge fund and they were squeezing money out of it and it just wasn't viable anymore. We couldn't work that way. So we left and we started our own sort of a new model for journalism, we we hope. And we're asking people to give us five bucks a month and we don't have a paywall. So we want you to read us and like us so much that you'll give us five bucks a month, a little more if you want some newsletter sort of thing. But we are kicking ass. We've got we doubled our number of reporters this year. We're up to I think somewhere around 25 reporters and we are yeah, we're supported by members. We have a little bit of uh, advertising, you know, underwriting, CPR style. We are a public benefit corporation and kind of a new model. You know, we we came online with the hopes that we we'd arrived at a time when people were recognizing the need to to pay a little bit for their news, right? Like it's it, it's not just free. It's not just on the internet. If you want good journalism, you know, people have to make it and they got to go out and work and, and do it. And we're hoping that we arrived at a moment when, you know, people say, Hey, you know, I got to spend five bucks a month to get this awesome news source in my inbox every day. So that's the idea. It's working well, out. Well. I think that's fantastic. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that the statistic that talks about uh, how we look to our local paper for accurate reporting has always been consistently high on the trust barometer, I think, that Edelman puts out. Um, and you, you know, you've taken that regional approach because it's the Colorado Sun, but it definitely feels, you know, like it appeals to all these rural communities because you're really hitting the topics that are important to us. We aren't able to get that information in the way that you all are delivering it any other way, frankly, you know? So I, I really think that you... You also are serving through this new new um, business model in a way that we all desperately need. Well, thank you. We we do aim to you know have very sort of statewide coverage and depth and and regional regional approach so that we can really appeal to the diverse communities in this awesome state. 
And you also, um, as I said in your introduction, you're a reporter, but you have certain beats that you cover. Is it just outdoor recreation or is it, you know, rural economic development? Tell us about your beats there and then we'll get into the the story at hand we're here to talk about. Yeah, a little bit of everything. I mean, I, I, I live in the Western Slope in Eagle. So I've been covering kind of Western Slope business communities, mountain culture, outdoor recreation for, you know, since the 90s. And you know, focusing on the ski resort business, mountain real estate, anything kind of businessy, tourism focused, uh, you know, really some mountain culture stories. A lot of just Western slope is kind of what I describe it as. And I have been closely involved with, you know, so the evolution of the outdoor industry here in Colorado as the uh, covering it as, you know, the state sort of becomes kind of a hub for outdoor recreation industry and business here on the Western slope. So it's uh it's I've kind of created my own beat really it's sort it's broad but I can uh, I can kind of drill down and be pretty pretty uh focused on on particular industries and particular growth patterns as uh, as as I wish pretty much it's the joy of this job yeah and I it really shows in your reporting so that's why I gave you a you know the heads up to try and get you on the show today I saw that you um did a story, I believe it was, well, it was right after Christmas on December 27th, 2021, about the um, chairlift manufacturer, Leitner Poma, and and what an amazing time they're having in terms of like a boom. Um, and I wanted to, you know, I reached out to you to kind of get your take on like this, the state of snow sports, because that's obviously an interesting indicator. And just so the audience knows, we're going to kind of go from there into talking about, you know, what's going on with outdoor recreation in rural communities here in Colorado, and then really talk about like the challenges and the opportunities for the new year, because that's what we're here to kick off. So let's talk first about the chairlift maker and the indicator of that. Like, tell me what you're like, what did you sniff out there as a reporter that you thought would make a great story? And how does it really indicate kind of the health of snow sports? Yeah, exactly. So I've been covering ski industry since the 90s. And Really, we don't have ski industries very insular, as we all know. They don't talk a lot about how they're doing. We don't see a lot of, you know, of sort of overarching numbers that give us an, an indication of the health of the um, uh, health of the industry. We do have our resorts, obviously, public 10Ks and, and quarterly announcements to give us an idea of how it's looking. But generally, it's difficult to find out how resorts are doing. But there's, you know, sort of a back door that you can get in. When you go talk to the guys at Leitner Poma, um, the, the North American lift industry is dominated by two players, Leitner Poma and Grand Junction, and an Austria-based company called Doppelmayr. Sure. So when you look at what those guys are doing every year, you can really see how optimistic and healthy the resort industry is. When they're down, things are not good. You know, resorts are not happy and they're not betting big on the future. But when they're up, and they are up right now, they are making the record number of chairlifts for the next couple few years. You know, that's a revealing sign that the resort industry, ski resort industry, is feeling very optimistic. Um, owners, large and small, private, big, they are all investing very deeply in the future of the ski resort industry. So it bodes well when when you know these guys are saying, you know, we've got work lined up for the next three years. You can't even order a lift. And we've got, you know, crews scrambling from coast to coast, upgrading lifts, putting in new fancy lifts at private ski resorts. And it's it's never been busier for these 
lift operator. So that's been a pretty good, uh, pretty good indicator of what the what the industry is looking like right now. The Channel Mastery Podcast is sponsored by the Sea Otter Classic Summit, presented by Lifetime Incorporated. It's a brand new executive gathering taking place right before the 2022 Sea Otter Classic Cycling Festival, the world's largest consumer cycling event. Sea Otter marks the kickoff of the camping and bike season and brings together tens of thousands of outdoor and cycling enthusiasts. I mean, what better lab environment do we need to study our consumer circa 2022? And that's why we're hosting our Executive Leadership Summit just before the Sea Otter Classic on the historic and beautiful Cannery Row in Monterey, California. And you know, a new Leadership Summit is much needed today for the outdoor recreation industries. We need to grow our networks. We need to get to know the trends that will greatly impact how we operate and serve our consumers going through and beyond the pandemic. And we need to study this consumer that we all share together. Change can be exhausting and growth like we've seen it in outdoor recreation can be expensive in more ways than one. If you're wondering how to harness this opportunity and scale your business through the headwinds of consumer evolution, join us in Monterey, April 5th through 7th at the Sea Otter Classic Summit. Please visit seaotterclassicsummit.com for more information and to register. Space is limited. And, you know, just as I kind of study for channel mastery, you know, as we've come through the pandemic where we are today. I know we're not through it by any means, but it it most certainly like we haven't seen a drop off with with um, the new participants in outdoor recreation. And as you said in our um, as we were speaking before I hit the record button, you know the industry as a whole has really wanted more diversity, more people, new participants across whether it's cycling, endurance, outdoor, snow sports. It doesn't matter. We've we've really had an incredible growth clip to our participants and diversification of our participants. And I thought that your story was so interesting also because it looks like these snow sports areas want to, you know, up, upgrade and up-level the experience through what they're doing with like more modern infrastructure with these lifts. But it also helps to offset potentially less hands on deck. And that kind of gets into something we're also here to talk about, which is some of the incredible challenges placed on these rural resort communities with all the growth from outdoor recreation. So we have a lot to get into here, but ultimately I thought this this story was so in- interesting from so many standpoints in terms of this, the health of outdoor recreation as we go into 2022. I mean, we're, we're coming up on two years living with COVID and the pandemic. And I, for one, am really heartened to see that we we haven't lost that initial wave of outdoor enthusiasts, and I even am, are, I'm even seeing like brands integrate that into their um, marketing more and more in terms of like showing more diverse participants and whatnot. And it really seems like these people are wanting to stay. And I would love to get your take or what you see in terms of like just what does this mean for us as an industry and a community in the outdoor recreation space? You know, it's. You know, I just think back like to March 14, 2020, right? Like we're mm-hmm. all skiing. I went skiing that day. It's a Saturday, beautiful. Come back home and all of a sudden I'm slammed with work because the entire state resort industry shut down immediately. And the first thing I did the next day after writing those stories is I called my local backcountry ski shop and I got you know, my wife, some skis and new touring boots, because that was our future. Right. And (laughs) within a week, every, every shop is eliminated, right. They have nothing on their shelves. You can't find a pair of skins or backcountry ski for your life. And that, you know, that was the first indication within six days of that shutdown, 
the backcountry exploded, right? Like it's the hottest thing going. And that trend never stopped. We kept, you know, look at bikes, look at boats, look at every single thing that happened that you could buy that got people outside separated in the past two years. And they're having the biggest year ever. RVs, everything. I mean, anything that gets people outdoors away from other folks is, you know, just incredibly in demand. And that in many ways, you know, we sort of landed the golden goose for the outdoor industry in a matter of months, you know, this five-year goals to grow participation rate and finally push the number of Americans who play outside past that 50% barrier that's been so elusive for the past decade. It happened in, in, you know, six months, it just happened. And all of a sudden now that the industry's, you know, figuring out one, how do you accommodate this sudden surge in growth and demand? How do we, you know, equip these, destination places with enough workers to support it? How do we, you know, help these folks learn the, the nuanced um, behavioral patterns of backcountry travel and things like this and camping and all the different things that, you know, some veterans probably know well, but we, in a matter of weeks, we saw we, the industry saw all its wishes granted, you know, hundreds, thousands, millions of people going outside, you know, people of all, all stripes, every type of diverse, you know, population ever has embraced the outdoors. So now the challenge has really been, what do we do with the, you know, this growth? How can we sustain it? How can we mitigate it? How can we, you know, accommodate it and, and handle it? But, you know, across, across the board, you're seeing just incredible growth in, in all sorts of outdoor industries, you know, from gear to, to tourism, to hosting, to guiding, to, you know, all the stuff that we need to play with. It's been a pretty incredible you know, two years to watch this evolution happen so quickly, you know? It really is insane. It really is. And looking at, you know, as we're, again, looking at kind of the litmus test of this, um, of the infrastructure at the snow sports resorts, I mean, that is high, high dollar investment, right? <laughs> I it, And that to me is a, also an indicator that this is very sustainable. I mean, it is unfortunate to see how a lot of these brands are struggling today in terms of like the whole supply chain thing and, and getting consumers what they need. But consumers also learned through the pandemic that they can solve problems and and discover solutions in an interesting new way. So I think that really what's warranted is, as you were saying before we hit record, is is just welcome them in and do everything that we can to keep them interested. And it's, you know, I've always kind of thought it's, it's all of our responsibilities. If you're a backcountry user, if you're a backcountry skier, a kayaker, a, you know, any mountain biker, climber, anybody that goes into the backcountry, we need to all sort of take some ownership and some responsibility on helping these newcomers. I know that's not our first reaction when you see somebody doing something not smart, you know, like your first reaction is, well, let's get away from them. But uh-huh. we kind of... I wish we would more, you know, instead of making fun of them and having the, the Jerry websites and all the stuff, I wish we could sort of have a communal come together moment here and just kind of embrace these newcomers and help them. Give them a supportive word. Tell them their helmets on backwards. Tell them whatever you need to do, just uh-huh. politely, you know, and kind of just just help them and encourage them. And these are the people that are going to be fighting for public lands in the next 20, 30, 40 years, you know, we're not going to be 52 years old. I'm not going to be doing it for much longer or whatever, another, you know, into the next century. So let's 
let's foster the next generation of public land supporters and, and land stewards and encourage them and get them on board and skiing and paddling and pedaling and climbing and boating and all the different stuff that we, that we love. And this industry will, will thrive beyond all measure. I totally agree. And I think that's an exceptional call to action as we're starting a new year. These new participants are not going to go away. Everything is going to remain just as crowded as it has been. And you're right, extending like the Olive Branch and and becoming a, a larger community with them included. With the with the foresight to think about uh, when the more they fall in love with the outdoor recreation space and what they do in it, the more they're going to want to care for it. And that you're so, so right. Like that's newcomers of any age group, in my opinion. Um, the more we welcome them and have them feel like they're belonging the better off we're all going to be in the future. I totally agree. And I think that is so smart. And we we're on that track, right? Because we've, you know, in the past two or five years, really, we've seen the outdoor rec industry start to really tear down some walls. You know, this industry is just as isolated as it's crazy. You know, we're motorcycles don't like cyclists, don't like hikers, snowboarders don't like skiers, you know, blah, blah, blah. To like even within the own identification, you know, some types of climbers don't like freaking other types of climbers. It's kind of, you know, we have this tribal mentality that we've had for years that um, has really started to deteriorate, thankfully. And, you know, we're starting to see people that hunt and ride motorcycles who also ride bicycles and hike in wilderness. And, you know, we're tearing down these barriers and we've learned it, how to do it within our own groups now. So now we need to just continue and tear down the walls that are on the outside of us now, instead of the ones that we've been, I don't know, dividing us for decades in this crazy business. It, it's so true. I'm so glad you brought that up. And, it, you know, we have almost, we've held on to those identities and the, you know, you can change the identity very quickly. <laughs> it's just a matter of making a choice. I mean, you don't have to hold on to things like nothing is going to stay the same. I think that's one thing we've all learned from what we've just lived through and where we're going, um, we all know the headwinds are going to continue. And it makes sense to, I think, embrace instead of repel <laughs> in terms of, you know, this common cause. And I think that your reporting really does pull people together because you you report on it from a community angle, like you're hitting economic, you're hitting healthcare, you're hitting all these different things that are tied to outdoor recreation through your reporting. So I just think that's also super interesting, the way that you've expanded that beat to also have a new identity. And, you know, the industry's really, you know, found its its strength and power as a unified movement in the past couple few years. You know, we're getting, you know, the economic analysis from the from the federal government showing, you know, outdoor recreation is creating what, $689 billion industry. You know, that is that's bigger than pharma. That's bigger than energy. We can, you know, we, this is a force. If we can come together, you can, we can really rattle cages break down old, you know, tired old tropes and and start to really, you know, affect change that celebrates things like public lands and, and outdoor recreation and all the different, um, you know, things that are so important to us. And we can really accomplish more together as a, you know, as a unified force than we can, you know, as whatever 25 different voices yelling at our senators at the same time, right? Agreed. And, you know, as we're kind of looking to wrap up here, like you, I feel like Colorado is a microcosm to national trends, even though I realize 
through participating in the state of Colorado's outdoor office, office of outdoor recreation. Like every state has a, a different um, way that it rolls up to its, you know, governor, if you will. But we are seeing like a national growth in this, obviously, as we've been talking about. And I feel like Colorado is a, is an interesting like state to look at in terms of trends. So knowing that and knowing what we both just wholeheartedly agreed on in terms of like this growth isn't going anywhere, nor are the newcomers, what would you say would be the biggest challenge ahead for 2022 and the biggest opportunity for 2022 for outdoor recreation? Yeah, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges is right now is labor. You know, this industry is, has built itself on, you know, the, the sort of the ski bums and the raft bums and the the cheap labor forces that used to flock these mountain towns, you know, and work. I did it in the early nineties. That's what we, what we did. You know, you made eight bucks an hour and skied all day and slept, you know, three, four to a bedroom. And that was kind of the way you do it. And, you know, the days of communities relying on cheap labor are over. We need to find a way to pay folks more, pay them a livable wage, find them a place to live, give them homes so that they can, you know, survive in these towns. Um, you know, towns have gotten so expensive and real estate's so pricey. It's just really hard to sustain the labor forces that are required to support some of these rural, you know, outdoor recreation focused tourism based economies. So that's housing and labor force is, I think, one of the most critical issues facing outdoor recreation in Colorado right now. And like you said, what happens in Colorado, we kind of lead so we can set the pace. We can show, you know, other States in many ways, how to, how to sort of develop rural economies based on outdoor recreation and, and, and tourism and that perfect blend that, that kind of protects resources while also, you know, introducing more people to the outdoors. It's a fine line. Colorado is well equipped to do it. And, um, mm-hmm. For big opportunities, again, it's back to this um, this growth and this surge. We have a diverse population of young, vibrant newcomers in the outdoor realm. And what can we do to keep them going? As we go back to whatever movies and bars and concerts and normal life, I'm, putting, I'm using air quotes when I say that, but you know, eventually we'll get out of pandemic life and things will go back to normal. How do we make sure those folks embrace what they embraced um, during the pandemic. So that's a challenge. It's an opportunity too. It's an incredible opportunity. We finally, this industry finally has exactly what it's always wanted, right? Like more people participating outdoors with a diverse demographics playing outdoors. Now the challenge is what can we do with them? How can we welcome them? it It goes back to all of us playing a role. This isn't the job of, you know, the outdoor industry association. It's not the job of, you know, a few people here and there or leaders here and there. It's the job of every single person on the trails, in the snow, on the rivers, on the rock, you know, reach out, be nice, say a kind word. That person could be voting for the, you know, next big supporter of public lands in the next election. So let's, uh, let's flex our muscle and be nice about it. I love that. It's a very simple call to action. Although it also is tied to people's identities. And so it's definitely going to be a challenge, but it's very simple. Let's just keep it simple and keep it about kindness and welcoming others in. So, well, thank you so much. I'll put links to your most recent stories in December of 2021 from the Colorado Sun, but I want to encourage everybody to check out the Colorado Sun. It is truly stellar journalism. And the fact that 
we have to invest for something that's valuable to us is sort of similar to everything we've just been talking about with the public lands backdrop or the outdoor recreation backdrop. You know, we have to pay for things that we value and love. (laughs) And yes, and I really love what you all have done with the Colorado Sun. Um, And I'm proud that, you know, my company and I have been supporters since day one. and, And you really are just exceeding expectations all the way around. So please keep up the good work. We need you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the support. All right. If you liked this episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast, please help more business leaders find this resource by going to iTunes and leaving us a positive review and also sharing it with a friend or colleague. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Verde Brand Communications for being our presenting sponsor. Check us out at verdepr.com. Verde PR.